Hey, good people. This is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. I have a list for you this morning. And there's a reason why I have a list. It's, and I'm not happy about having a list. And I wasn't with you all last week. I'm not happy about that either. I'm going to explain all of that to you. On the other side of the disclaimers, I'm going to do a little housekeeping on the other side of the disclaimers to start the start the list. That's how I'm going to start my list, by talking about the list and why I'm not happy with it and why I missed a week. But let's start. Let me give you the list. And I will tell you this list is color-coded. There are there's some orange markings on the list and there's some blue markings on the list. And I was hoping... That color coding, it would help me. I'm going to make up a word. Singleize it. Singleize my thinking. My thinking is so varied and so vast right now. But the color codes did not allow me, didn't help me to singleize my thinking. So we'll see if some singleization, I'm making words up this morning, y'all. Let's see if some singleization happens (laughs) through this reflection. (laughs) So let me give you the list. Number one, meaning-making apparatus. Number two, discover, discovery, discovered. Number three, the psychic dimension. Number four, people are stressful. Number five, events of the week. And there are four points um, under that. Number six, personality psychology. Number seven. Learnings of the job. Number eight, colorful actions. I'm excited about that one. Colorful actions. Number nine, S-I-S-E. And number 10, I am an eight. I am an eight. So that's my color-coded, unsingleized list of 10. That I have as a starting point, you guys. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and it is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. So, um, full full disclosure, this was take four. I don't do this often. This is the fourth time I have attempted to do this reflection. And I'm not going to delete it. So whatever comes out of my mouth is just going to come out of my mouth. And I don't usually, I don't usually censor myself. 
the first time I went over five minutes for my, I think two of them I went over my disclaimers. The one that I got up to 20 minutes, I'm really disappointed I deleted that one. That was good. And the reason why I deleted it is because I started talking about someone in a way that I just didn't want to talk about them. Um, it wasn't bad. I just didn't want them, I didn't want to bring them into this project. So, so I don't usually edit myself or that's censoring myself because I could have just recorded and just deleted that part, but I just didn't. So I started over. So I want to just be honest about that. But this is what you're going to get for this one. You're going to get that one, okay? <laughs> um, I also want to tell you that um, I'm, I'm dealing with a, um, I'm dealing with an overwhelm. I'm dealing with an overwhelm. I was going to say grief, but I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure it is grief, but it feels more, it feels more than just grief. And so this is about, it's about this family member that is dealing with this health issue, this life or death health issue. And that I'm very close to. And I actually am at a place now where I'm ready to reveal the person. I'm about 95% ready to reveal who that person is. I know that when I do, that is going to be its own reflection. And that's actually part of number five from this, the events of the week. Because five, number five on my list has four sub points. And, and that person is on under there. Um... I think me being ready to reveal that person means something that I'm not really sure I'm ready to face, but I'm pretty sure we've been, we've, it's two months now, two and a half months, we've known now about this medical situation. And I've, I've talked to you guys about it right away, but I haven't revealed the person. I don't even think I revealed what was going on. And so that's overwhelming me, you all. It is so overwhelming. I can't even grieve. I can't even cry about it. It is overwhelming me. I don't know what to do with it. When my dad got a diagnosis, I was, I've been thinking about it. Like, I had a lot of sadness there. But this is different. This is different. And I... Um, number five on the list, uh, it, one thing on the list is that person. Another thing on the list is I met with my heart coach this week. And my heart coach has a theory about why I'm experiencing this person's life or death situation in a different way. So I'll share that with you. <laughs> it's funny how my heart coach, my heart coach had to tiptoe. She had to tiptoe on that one for me because she knew that I would be protective. <laughs> so, and even as I was talking to her, I could hear it. I could hear it. And I then started, I didn't want to reveal that because I didn't want that thing to be true. You're like, what thing are you talking about? You're in I, I haven't said it to you yet. 
And the only way you're going to get that is I have to tell you who the person is. And once I tell you who the person is, it's going to open up a whole lot of stuff. And maybe that's why I have a list. Maybe the list is a distraction. Because I won't give myself permission to talk about what I really want to talk about. Or what I really need to talk about. I don't know. You know, I've gotten so comfortable with this project being a central part of me. Oh my goodness, I'm feeling um, feeling the need to cry. So I didn't, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> like I literally did not feel like I was going to get on this episode and cry today. I don't feel that, but it's there. It is there, clearly. <laughs> so if I start crying, I want to let y'all know. I'm doing a lot of crying this season, but this this person is a big deal. My daddy was a big deal, too. I'm a little angry about that. Like, I still want to grieve my dad. You know, I was thinking about my dad's sister died seven months after he passed. And I really haven't even grieved my aunt. Because I was like, yo, this is your brother's time. We're still grieving your brother's death. You just stole his thunder. And I just have been allowing myself to park her, my grief for her. Because it was like, I'm still going to grieve my dad. And then this week, she's been popping up in me, and I've had some sadness for her. I'm like, wow, I really did not grieve my aunt. I cried initially, and then I went into action. I went into action to go be with her body before they picked her body up to take it to the morgue. I was in the house with her. You know, if you guys go to the episode when I said it's, t- it's entitled My Dad's Sister, I explained that. I don't want to go down it. I don't want to revisit that, but I was in the house with her for about three hours before they picked up their body. Then we had to do it, you know, locate her son and tell her son and. Oh my gosh. And then there's the aftermath. It just, that they, those are the, that, that was the end of that generation. And there's a, that, that. But I haven't grieved her. And then this week, she's popped up, she's popped up twice for me, maybe three times. And I cried a little bit for her this week. Even, so, one, I didn't even think about it. So, we, I got to the house for their body on a Sunday. I didn't, I didn't even take any time off from work. I went to work on Monday. If I'm not mistaken, I had an interview on Tuesday. And I found out on Thursday that I didn't get the job. And I had a meltdown. But it really, and everybody thinks the meltdown was for the job. It wasn't really because I had already made peace. That I didn't want the job if it was going to be X, Y, or Z. I don't think it was the job. I think I was pissed off. I think it was, I was pissed off about it. But I think there was some stress at the job. I don't think that's what, I think the meltdown was me not crying for my aunt. And, and then psychologically going through something that's pretty morbid. Like sitting in the house with her for three hours with her body in the house. Her deceased body. Yeah, I think that's what, what that happened. So anyway, 
I'm in a rabbit hole, y'all. But I'm not gonna delete. We just gonna we just gonna stick stay the course. Whatever comes out my mouth is what you're gonna get. So I realized this week I haven't really grieved her other than that. And I still want to grieve my dad. But this other person, I'm using all of my energy for faith. I'm using my energy for faith. And faith is not easy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by this illness, this life or death situation with this person. I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm overwhelmed. You guys, I'm, I've recorded and deleted this three times. This is my fourth take, so I don't know what I've said to you and what I haven't said. So if I'm disjointed or loopy or redundant, just please forgive me. If this doesn't get played, I will respect that too, but... <clears throat> so I had, I was angry with my dad for a while. I was angry with him after he passed. I wasn't not it right away, but I couldn't look at his obituary. So I put his obituaries in a drawer. And then over the last year, I took the obituary out and it's been in my living room. Like it's like sitting on a mantle. And my dad bought me a poem, um, a figurine, I guess. It's a large, I don't know what this is called. It's like a, it's a, I'm a little, a figure of a, a man and a woman dancing. But there, it's like a union. And he bought that. For me, I don't know why. That I, I can count the things that my dad has ever bought me. This is one of them. And I meant to ask him about this figurine before he passed. He bought this for me about 20 years ago. And it was in storage because when I was in that 10-year relationship, all my stuff was in storage. And when I went and unpacked my things out of storage about two years ago, I found it. And my father was still alive at the time. I really wish I would have asked him about what motivated you to buy that thing and give it to me. <laughs> I want to know this. I don't have a story for this figurine. Anyways, I'm looking at it right now. But anyway, so I took the obituary and I sat it and propped it up on that figurine. And I would walk past it and, and I, I had peace. I was starting to have some peace with him. I was starting to have peace with my dad. And now with this other person's illness, I cannot look at that. I cannot look at that obituary. So I've taken it. I didn't put it back in the drawer, but I put it in the back of the house in a space I don't go too often. And I feel bad about that, but I cannot look at that obituary right now. I'm using all of my energy to pray for healing, pray for forgiveness, pray for growth. As I enter this phase with this other person, this other significant person in my life. And um, 
Yeah. So if I haven't said it to you already, I'm ready. I believe I'm ready to tell you who that person is. I believe I'm ready to tell you that because there's so much there. So much is attached to what I'm going through with this person. So much learning and discovery that I'm having about me. That the only way you're going to really understand the discovery is you got to know what my relationship is with this person that's going through this life or death situation. Some of you may have figured it out. I'd be interested to see who's actually figured it out. I haven't, I haven't gone out of my way to hide it. I just don't want to talk. I didn't want to make it. I didn't want to talk about it because I would make it real. Uh, but there's a part of this. If I don't come to terms with it, I feel that I am going to re- deeply regret it. Because I think that there's some denial. I think part of me not naming the person is about denial. I think it's about denial. And, um, yeah, I don't even know what else to say to that. But I, it did hit me in the, over the last week. Because I'm also going to work. I just started being able to do that. Well, I, stopped, I never stopped working. I never took time off. I have not taken time off since we got the news about this person. I've gone to the hospital. with. I have not taken time off. I've been in meetings at work in the hospital room with this person. I really think there's something psychological happening with me, to really, to be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know I'm an INTJ, but, like, this seems a little bit extreme if you ask me. I literally have not stopped working. I have not taken one day off. And, um, and... Based on my relationship with that person and the complications, I've also been backing away from being around that person a lot. Because although I want to spend all this time with the person, this person doesn't necessarily want to spend that time with me like I want to spend with that individual. So I've been slowly backing away. And that backing away, almost it puts some distance between me, not just me and the person, but it puts some distance between me and what's going on. So then I worry about, am I not confronting this? I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know how to confront it. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to regret not being present. And I know NI Doms, we're not present anyway. But there's a part of me that feels like I need to be present. I don't know how to be, though. I genuinely don't know how to be present as I go through this. I don't know. But I think if I start talking about it, really, 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 really talking about it, that might help. But talking about it, really, 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 really talking about it, it's not going to be pretty. That's another thing that scares me. I don't want to talk. Like with my dad... I don't know, maybe I was so angry with him. I didn't mind talking about it. I did not sanitize my father the way I want to sanitize this person. That's deep, y'all. There's something located in that. I didn't even think of, that's not even on the list. 
It's not even on the list. Thank. It's not even on the list. But I did not sanitize my daddy the way I'm trying to sanitize this person. And that means something. I know it does. So. I don't know how I fell in that rabbit hole. I have no idea how I fell in that rabbit hole. I don't even know what the start of that. That is on my list, though. The That person is on my list under number five, events of the week. But, um, but that person's name is on the list. So I was going to just talk about the person and not connect them to being the person that's going through the life or death situation. That's what I was going to do. I was going to tell you about this person. In an isolated way so that you didn't know that this is the person that is dealing with this medical situation. And this, but I just, so I'm not going to be able to talk about that person now unless I reveal it to you who that individual is to me. It's coming. I kind of want to do it right now in this episode. I'm not 100%. I want to just sit with it a little bit. I'm 95% there. Okay, maybe I'm 92%. (laughs) I'm 92% there. I need a little bit. I need a little bit more. Give me a little, give me a little space. We'll see what happens. I don't know how I fell into that rabbit hole. So I'm sorry. I'm just, anyway. I mean, um, I think I started just talking about feeling overwhelmed. I think that's what happened. And then I started trying to parse out the grief part of the overwhelm. There's a grief that's in me. Uh, let me go to number number um, five. Okay, so number five has four subpoints. Number five is if is events of the week. So one subpoint is that person. Let's just say that person. Another. And underneath that person are three subpoints. Under that, underneath that subpoint, um, subpoint are three additional sub are three additional subpoints. And one is four um, H. That's something I thought about earlier this week. Four H. Now, if you are in the Midwest, I don't know where four H. I said I was going to do some research before I talked about this with you all, but it is a like it's kind of like a Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts kind of club thing that you do for children. I don't even know what the 4Hs stand for. I really don't know. I just heard of it, the 4H club, right? But I found myself this week dealing with and trying to identify some emotions. So one of the events of this week is talking to my heart coach, and she was asking me to, to name my feelings, and I really couldn't do it. All I could do is laugh. You know, and when I first started working with her, she would know she noticed the laugh, and she and and she said, "Can you tell me when you laugh? <laughs> what are you doing? What is that laugh for?" <laughs> it's funny to me, and and I'm like, it's funny. It's the irony. Like I can see it. I can see irony here. It's like it's kind of like an outer body experience, and it's funny. I don't know what makes it funny, but it is. The iron, the outer body experience and the irony of it makes it funny to me. And I laugh. Yeah, I think it's funny that I can't tell you what my feelings are. I think that's funny. I think it's funny that I can look in your face and I can see 
emotions registering on your face as relating to I'm talking and you're feeling me and I can see the emotions on your face, but I cannot identify the emotions in me. That is funny to me. That's just funny. I'm sorry. It's funny to me. So I laughed. She asked me to talk about my feelings and I just laughed. And I finally came up with a feeling that I think could be considered a feeling. But if you go to the emotional wheel, there's this thing called the emotional wheel that we do as educators and we help kids learn their emotions. I'm like, why don't we have an emotional wheel for adults? Like every adult should have an emotional wheel in their house. Especially an adult like me. Go look at the wheel and see if we can pick an emotion. (laughs) How about that? But um, this is just something we do for kids. I really think it's something we should do for adults. So what I ended up telling her, I was like, it's like this. I don't know if the word, but it's like this. And then that opened up a whole reflection that I want to share with you. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to tell you who that person is to me. So I'm sorry. You're probably getting annoyed with me right now because I'm getting annoyed with me. But anyway, um, before H, so one of the things I thought about after that time with my heart coaches, I did come up with four emotions that I was thinking about. Um, see if I can remember four H's. They're four H, but not like the club. I don't know what the four H, four um, four H's, if you will. <laughs> um, but for me, and the emotion that I'm feeling, uh, there are four of them: hope. I'm feeling harm. That's I don't even know if that's an emotion, y'all, but I'm feeling that hope, harm, hor- horror. And happiness. And I don't know. That's That hit me earlier this week. Those four words. All of them have. Starting with the letter H. And the irony of that. How do you have happiness and horror. Together. I looked up the word horror. Earlier this week too. I was just curious about. What's the difference between fear and horror. And horror is the kind, it's a type of fear. It's a type of fear, but it's intense because it, there are other things attached to horror, like intensity. It's fear, it's intensity, it's, um, shock. There were, I remember reading about it. I was like, horror is not just fear. It's not. It's a number of things compounded. Together, and that's how you get horror. Well, I wonder what would happen if you bring these four H's together. Hope, harm, horror, happiness. What emotion comes from the conjoining of those four words? What? What? Uh, what? What emotion? Let's add that to the emotion wheel. I need to go get an emotional wheel for real. So... I did tell you about that. I'm excited because I wanted the 4-H I did want to tell you about that. Let me cross that off. That's one thing I can check off the list. <laughs> that was a sub-point to the sub-point of number five. Okay? So I am having all of these 
I think, um, I think overwhelmed too is another feeling that I'm having just because I don't really know what to do with all of the emotions. I can't connect to the emotions. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, at least with my dad, I had anger as a companion. I had anger as a companion. And in this situation, I have deep sadness. Um, also, feelings of abandonment are coming up for me. Deep abandonment. Uh, a deep sense of loss. Like lost opportunity. Lost time. Not even like, not even loss in terms of future loss, but like a past loss. It's like a lost identity. Who am I? I don't, I don't have that with my daddy. So anger was my companion. And this situation is overwhelming. Because I don't have a way of framing the, the emotion. So, there you go, people. Now you got me crying. <sighs> so, here's that. I want to try to come away from that topic for a minute. I might circle back to it, but I'm going to try to go into something else on the list. All right? So that was under five, you know. I talked a little bit about that person without naming the person. Um, hold on a second. Okay, I'm not going to move on. Let me let me link here. Because I went and looked at the notes that I had for that. Like, I'm, Let me just try I can knock it off my list. I'm not going to reveal the person. You probably, again, are going to be able to figure it out. But that's fine. I'll let you do that. That's what I'll do. That's what I can commit to. That's what my 92% readiness means. That I can talk more about it without naming the person. Even if you figure it out, I'm okay. Oh, the word, as I had you guys on pause, what came up for me is dangling part, participle. Am I saying that right? Dangling participle. I'm about to move into math. And that's not my, di- that's not my discipline. Although I don't, I think I could have been a rock star with math. My dad was good in math. I, I, I learned math. Uh, there were math functions I could perform at age four. My teacher didn't understand. I remember my teacher didn't understand it. Which is interesting. I've been thinking a little bit about being an INTJ child. I need to do some more studying about that. I wonder how much is out there, literature is out there about INTJ, INTJ children because we don't really form like our brain. We're not fully developed. So you don't, you don't really see personality theory like lingering in children because we're still developing. But there were a couple of things that happened this week that reminded me to, that made me think about who I was as an IETJ child. One, one thing that came up uh, this 
person that is that I've been talking about without naming this individual told me this week that I had a love for books. And I'm like, yeah. But this person was like giving me stories about how I would get some paper, like get this, I think it was scholastics. I don't remember. We would get this, in a, I don't know what you would call it, like a little catalog every month or every two weeks it was a little piece of paper and you can all of the books for sale and you could just look through the books and and I got to I would mark it up I would fantasize about well if I'll get this book I get this book I can get this book <laughs> I forgot about that until this individual reminded me of that this week and so um I was like look at me I was free I did love reading but I didn't read um, informational text. I did read books that helped me to escape. I didn't do anything that I I just did escapism. Texts that allowed me to escape. I love to read, but I wasn't I wasn't reading to um, for information. So I don't know what that means. But I love to read. I love books. I've always loved books. But anyway. Uh but I was thinking about, too, being an INTJ, like, there was something about me that people knew I was smart. But then there was something about me that people, like, what? I don't, like, they didn't know what to do, that I was weird. And I, I don't mean to be offensive if that word is triggering or offensive for, for people. But I think that that was another way people identified me. I could be identified as smart and I could also be identified as weird because my intelligence didn't necessarily register as something that was familiar because it was, it was intelligence connected to that introverted intuition. And since I have gone on to get three degrees, I've learned about traditional learning. So I had all of this weird knowing this weird intelligence, this weird smartness, your NIDOM. And I learned how to channel that. And I think it's really as my auxiliary function strengthened, that TE part of me. When that, as that strengthened, I learned how to think and be smart in this external, measurable way. And then it was on and popping. Right? And I remember when it started happening to me. I don't, it didn't happen. My ability to see myself as a learner did not happen to me until I was around 20. Now, I was strategizing and doing all kinds of wonderments, if you will. As As a child, as a teenager, I was putting together systems, but I didn't see myself as a learner in a positive way. Until I hit about 20. Because I wasn't. And in 20 I started learning through the lens of other people. But prior to my 20s I was learning. Learning and valuing my kind of learning. My kind of knowing. I never thought about this until now. So yeah. And I started learning through other people. That's what I did through school. And my bachelor's degree. And a little bit of my master's. But like. There's a part of my master's and then definitely my my doctorate when I didn't pursue pursued my PhD 
That was all me returning back to my knowing, my way of knowing. Now I have this, I have this fascinating apparatus that I can take my way of knowing and pad it with this external way of knowing to produce something to the world that they can grab onto. Because without that external layer, I didn't have a way of taking my knowing and giving it to the world. But as I learned how to learn and know the way the world knew and learned, and I padded it to my way, my abstract way of knowing it, then I could give it out to, give it out to the world. I'm going to jump to something else on my list. I mean, number five. I'm in number five, y'all. Um, one of the subpoints on, uh, under number five is I had dinner with a f- friend from social media. I don't know if I said this to you already. I know in one of the takes I said it. As somebody I met in social media land. And um, I met her through another person I met through social media land. And she's also the person who is publishing my second, my, excuse me, my third book. And I'm super excited that I got my book cover and I got the, it's just awesome. I'm so proud that I'm publishing this book through this person I met on social media through her publishing company. And it's like grassroots grassroots to grassroots that's the change agent in me and then I met with my mentor a few weeks ago and she was like so who's your publisher it was this smugness it was a little eh, I don't know if she would say it was smug but you could just see her trying to validate it she's an INTJ too by the way my mentor nope no 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 she's an ENTJ and so she had this smugness like well who's your publisher so that's how she was going to validate my text because she read, I gave her the description of what the book was about. And there were some words in there that she didn't like words like white supremacy, capitalism. My mentor is a white woman, older white woman. And so these are concepts that I, I connect with her as an educator. She's not a social scientist. I am. And, uh, and then, so she she has enough respect for me to not throw those words out the way she would do to other people because she know I can back it up. I can back it up, baby. So her way, she couldn't back, she couldn't throw those words away because I, I can back it up. So then she was like, so do you have a publisher? That's like, are you self-publishing? Because, you know, there's a stigma to when people self-publish, which is stupid because self-publishing, what is wrong with that? Anyway, so I was like, Oh, I said, uh, no, I have a publisher. And you could, you just, I just saw it on her face, like, huh. I, the old me would have leaned into that. The old me would have leaned in. I would have interrogated it. I just like, I don't have time for that one. Let her do that on her own. That's where I slipped. The eight slipped into the five. Because I was like, I could tackle that. There's a part of me, I wanted to just tackle it and interrogate it. But the five part of me was like, what's the point? Let her do that. Let that, let that lady have her own journey. <laughs> you got other things to process. You got other battles to fight. That's not a battle you're going to fight. <laughs> so anyway. So I left that one alone. And um, But yeah, so I told her I, had a, I was publishing through someone. I didn't tell her it was a, it was a small p- publisher from a friend of a social media friend of mine who started her own publishing company and I there's a part of me that wants to do that 
but it's a lot of work, and I'm not sure if the input is if the the output is worth the input that it would require. So it's not off the table. It just can't be on the table right now. I've already one thing that's come through for me loud and clear. Finally, and I'm bouncing around you guys now. That's a number seven item: learnings of the job that I have to go back. I have to go back to the entrepreneurial work that I started. I absolutely have to do it. I've been trying to fight it. Is I have been trying to fight it. I can't. I think it's hard because I don't have the same motivation to do it that I had before. Before when I did this this entrepreneurial work, I had something to prove. I want to prove to the world I can do this. Like I did the PhD. Like I did my first book. I had to prove something. I'm in several rabbit holes, by the way. Thank God. Because I was really struggling with just talking from a list. So I'm, I'm actually happy I'm in a rabbit hole. I'm actually in three rabbit holes. Um, so I, I, my motivation has been TE. And now my motivation is NI. It's becoming more NI. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean that most of my motivation has been in my adult life, if not my childhood, has been TE? And now it's more NI. Because I've already proven. I've already proven that I can do anything I set my mind to. See, all of these other big things I've done, they were partly because I needed to prove to the world that I could do it. And I've done that. So then I tried to like, tried to like take myself into some kind of fantasy land. Like, I don't have to prove anything else anymore. I'm, I'm done, but I'm not. Cause while I don't have to prove it, like my motivation isn't, I got to prove to you anymore. I am unwilling to be in your reality. So now I, my motivation is getting out of your reality. And that's the NI part of me. Because I live in a different reality. So when I was out proving these things to you, I was also living in my reality. But I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And so now I'm no longer trying to prove that I can do these big, great things. And so I'm just now, but that means I'm in your, I'm in your reality. I don't know if you guys understand this, but I can't be in your reality. I can't be in your, the way you do education, can't be in your way you do living, all of that. That's kind of what's coming for me now. I keep, I mean, as much as I love the toilet paper, and I do, the big bundles of toilet paper, you guys have to go back and listen to me for it. Um, the end of season two, excuse me, the end of year two, the end of seasons four and five, I talked about the bundles of toilet paper a lot. And that's, and, and this is one of the things I'm really excited about. I don't have to give up the big bundles of toilet paper to get into my authenticity because the big bundles of toilet paper is, that's not my priority. It's a comfort. It's something I like. But while I don't, I can't prioritize it because prioritizing it would mean a certain lifestyle that's not me. 
But it doesn't mean I have to throw it away. What it means is I have to build a lifestyle that allows for the, the big bundles of toilet paper. Where the big bundles of toilet paper is a residue. It's a byproduct of the lifestyle. It is not the target or the focal point of the lifestyle. Damn, that's good. That's really good. And if you are new to me, you have no idea why I'm talking about toilet paper, right? <laughs> Basically, I'm not going to go in. I mean, like now I'm in six rabbit holes. But being able to go into the store and buy the largest bundle of toilet paper is not something I've been able to do until recently. I have to go back. I cannot spend time breaking that down. But it's about having an overflow of money. Now, that doesn't mean I'm rich. But when I was I was doing a reflection with myself yesterday, what it does mean is that I have created a lifestyle where I'm, I'm living underneath my means. I'm not living at my means. I'm living, living underneath it. So that means I have a surplus. I don't have a surplus because I make a lot of money. I have a surplus because I'm strategizing and I'm living underneath my means. That's a big deal because I like surplus. And through the surplus, I can buy the big bundles of toilet paper. Okay, now I'm going to try to back out of that rabbit hole, go into the, I'm in several rabbit holes. But so now that I'm learning about my reality, like I'm no longer trying to prove of my, I'm not trying to flex and prove my TE basically. And I was willing to let it go. I'm not going to lie. I was willing to be like, nope. I ain't got to prove nothing else, baby. I did a YouTube video that says I was responding to a guy who said INTJs aren't really masterminds. And I'm like, yes, we are. And not only are we masterminds, baby, we are lowercase m masterminds and we're uppercase m masterminds. I broke that shit down. Excuse my language. And I've been both. I've been lowercase m and I've been uppercase m. As in the letter m for mastermind. I don't have to prove another thing about my ability to mastermind. I've done that baby. So then I'm like what am I going to do? Sit back and just cross my ankles? I was ready to do that. And then I was going to focus on the surplus. Focus on the toilet paper and other surplus. But that doesn't. No. That's not enough. That's why when you go back and listen to that episode I did in November around passion, motivation, I was like, I don't have it because I it was disconnected from my NI. And I wasn't realizing, how do I explain it? I'm not That's not true. Not really disconnected from the NI because I don't think, I can't disconnect from the NI. But connected to the T-E-N-I, the T-E-N-I, or the N-I-T-E, that's a better way of saying it. So being okay with parking the T-E was parking a part of the N, whoops, parking the N-I-T-E. And then my motivation is there. That's where my motivation was. I'm not motivated by toilet paper. I'm not I am motivated by excess. I do like, I do like, oh, excess. Um, I do like surplus. 
But that doesn't mean that that is my primary motivation. So it's some there's a maturing that's happening. It's you can hear me talking about it right now. It's like I'm trying to pick one or the other. Either I'm going to be motivated about masterminding, or I'm motivating about surplus. And what I'm thinking is that my mastermind, the next thing that I'm getting ready to mastermind, is about surplus and impact to do both. So let me let me say something I haven't said. Before all the mastermind things I did had a social element to it. Because I'm an eight. I'm an eight social eight first. And I'm a self-preservation second. That self-surplus is about self-preservation. When you look at self-preservation eights, that's their driver. Self-preservation is second for me. So, of course, there's a surplus value for me. But it's not dominant, but it's there. And I've just learned how to tap into it in the last few years. Consciously, at least. I can probably go back and die, pinpoint it here, here, and here. But I've just become really conscious of the surplus desire in me in the last few years. So I thought that the surplus was going to surplant my desire for the social impact. And that would have made me an eight self-preservation first, social second. Because that's what my heart coach thinks. She's like, I think you're self-preservation. It's like, no, the social is part... But I'm not social as in extroverted social or as in people social. I'm social systems. I think in terms of social systems. I'm thinking about the social world all the time. But I'm thinking about the systems of the social world. Anyway. And what I'm thinking now is that I'm about to mastermind surplus and impact in the social world. That those aren't mutually exclusive. Like, I've always like, oh, you're going to have social, you're going to have impact, but you're going to be broke. Or you're going to have surplus, but you're not having an impact in the world. I'm about to move into a season. I believe it. I'm about to move into a season where I have to mastermind and create a structure for myself where I do both. I impact and I have surplus. I declare that and I can see it. I really do. I see that. And let's see that. And that's partially coming from uh, the job situation. Cause like I said, I've been in that storm for the last four or five years, but I've not been in the same job. And each time I go to a new job, I'm like, maybe I can situate myself just right. So I don't have to do the storm. No, you're not going to have it. And even though I'm going to go into another job for next year, cause I'm not ready to go off on my own. It's going to be another storm. Just be here with me. And that's because I'm an INTJ 8. I'm not going to be in your reality. But I am in your world. But I'm not going to be in your reality. And you're not going to deploy my skills to advance your reality. And so then a storm. And then there's a storm. And I know that for a fact now. I thought I could mind over matter going to these jobs and be what these people needed me to be just for the surplus. I cannot. I just cannot. So, so, and I'll be coming home talking about storms. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Let me see how to come back. To, that, that's a learning. That's part of my learning from the job. That's part of number seven. I want to come back to the book. And the, the dinner I had with the young lady yesterday. 
I don't know. But anyway, um, so anyway, so um, I don't know how I got it. But let me scale, scroll all the way, all the way back because I'm going to go back to number five. So the dinner I had with this young lady that I met from the social media world, and I met her through my friend who is publishing my book. You see how all that connected. Um, so I showed this young lady my back, the cover, the, the, the text for the back cover of the book, and it explained what the book was about. And it's dense. It's a lot of words. It's dense. And another friend of mine who kind of, I'm, and I'm, I'm putting this together. I'm thinking about another friend of mine who had a, a reaction. My mentor who didn't like these words, capitalism, white supremacy culture. But, okay, so my friend had a very similar reaction. Like, oh, well, let's see how you're going to unpack that. But there's, but the people who endorsed the book were like, oh my gosh, this book is great. That's because they had a sociological lens. And the other people who I looked at, that looked at the book were all educators. And I'm thinking, oh, don't you get this? I'm an educator. You're an educator. But I'm not just an educator. I'm a social scientist. But I don't make my money as a social scientist per se. But I bring the social science discipline into my work. That also causes a storm. That causes a storm. That causes the storm with my family. And that was something I was going to tell you guys in the last episode when I was like, what is it about me that's that's constant in these two storms? I was going to tell you, I'm a seer. I can see things. And I, maybe I said it. And all the times when you're a seer, you get tagged as a scapegoat because the social world has to vilify you because it doesn't want to give credit to what the thing is that you can see. So when you are a seer, if you are an Ninaidam, you're a seer. You see things other people don't see. And if you see that toxic stuff and other people don't want to see it, they're going to find a, find a way to vilify you to discredit what you see. That's exactly what's happening in my two worlds, my two storms. And I forgot, but I'm like, because you're a social scientist. And I was like pulling out books from my research I'm a researcher. Yes, you can be a researcher, but really, 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 you're a social scientist. And I was a, truly, I was a social scientist before I became an educator. I was a social scientist as a child, being able to see the invisible parts of the social world and the systems. I could see it. My work as an educator, that's my trade. I'm a trained educator. I also went and got trained on being a social scientist, although that's my orientation. I don't know why I'm just really making this connection now. And that's going to always set me apart from other educators. Which is, But I can't go in a room of social scientists. I'd be annoyed in there because most, most social scientists are just going to theorize and research, and that's not enough for me. I'm a practitioner. I'm, it's not going to be enough for me to study people. The practitioner in me, I want to, and the leader in me, I want to move, I want to move people from one destination to the next. That's the, that's the leader, the ed leader in me. All right. So I got these multiple disciplines that are in me. I do have three degrees. You guys heard me say it. I have a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD. <laughs> that's funny when you think about it. It's funny because then I'll be like, 
Oh, I got a lot of information in my head. You're damn right. You got a lot of information in your head. <laughs> oh, it's funny how we can just forget things anyway. Yeah. So anyway, so I go to dinner with this young lady and I show her the back cover of the book and I do want to fix it because it is a little dense. A lot, a lot of words, a lot of words. And she's like, you need to have a visual. The first day, and then she starts giving me advice. She's an NI Dom though. She's an INFJ. Y'all are advisors. And I can be an advisor. I'm a fine advisor second. And you go into advising right away. She went into right away telling me about what the visual should have been on my book. Who did you write for you? Like, who is your audience? I'm like, you do know the book is done, right? So even, even if everything that you're saying to me is right, the book is done. I'm not getting ready to go and revise not one part of this damn book because you're giving me this advice. Which I don't think was terrible advice, by the way. But I thought it was odd. I thought it was odd that she that that was her first reaction. And then she didn't finish reading it all. She read the this is this is what a lot of INTJs do. You don't need they say, Oh, I don't need all of it. Oh, every time I hear an INTJ say that, it makes me want to scream. I don't need all of the information. I can just take a little bit and just leap. I can leap. You can leap, baby, but you may not land effectively. You may not land effectively. So you're leaping, but where are you trying to land? Every time I hear INTJs talk about the leap, I'm like, baby, are you trying to be effective? Or are you at your ass just leaping? You're just leaping. Hmm. Anyway, so she did a leap. She read about four sentences and she, she did. She, she wasn't wrong. The visual that she had was great. I don't think it was I, perfect because she only, what it told me is that what I've, the, the, how I'm describing the book really isn't giving you an, a, it doesn't give you a summary of the book. It gives the purpose of the book but not a summary of the book. So she gave me a visual for the purpose of the book. The visual I chose for my book is a summary, but she wouldn't understand that because she doesn't know what the book is about. Anyway, but I didn't give an about the book, even though it's called about the book. So I got that. And she was right about that. Um, and then she starts talking about writing for, I didn't really write for my audience. And she assumed my audience was educators. But she asked me, who's your audience? And I stumbled because when I wrote the book, I didn't write it for an audience. I did not write it for an audience. I wrote that book based on my reality, what was in my head. Now, if you are a writer, if you're a beginning writer, don't follow me. But I never professed to be a writer. But she was right again. Who's your audience? Now, I realized I do have an audience. As I was explaining to her, I didn't get it. I couldn't articulate it until, you know, you you have a comeback after you drive away. <laughs> so after I got in my car, I was like, damn it, call her back and say X, Y, and Z. But I couldn't do that. I, um, I, um. Uh, but when I was when she asked me who my audience was, I was like, it wasn't about that. It was about this. And then I realized, like I said later, when I got in the, after I left her in the car, I was like, 
what I'm describing is for the sociology of education. There are social scientists that study education. That's who my audience is. And for people who are trying to do social change in the world and they're looking at education. Or it's for educators who are trying to do social change. You know what I'm saying? So it's really for the social change agent looking at it, uh, education. Looking at the social world through the through education as a discipline. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on that so I can articulate that better. But anyway. So I just thought it was interesting how she just responded to me. She just literally read a few sentences, put the book down, started advising me. And then I had to make a choice. I had to choose because I'm also going through this phase of the storm with the family, aging and dying. You have to say, you know, you, you we're social animals. We're social beings. We can't be in the world by ourselves. I can't rule everybody out, even though the INTJ in me wants to. The INTJ8 is antisocial. I can't. I've made some calls to some people in my past. I probably shouldn't have done it, but I'm trying not to regret it because I'm a social being and I have, we have to have some social. I don't have a social appetite. I don't have tolerance. So then when I'm around people, I'm just like, oh, so what is that on my list? That's number, number four, people are stressful. They take up a lot of my energy. And I don't want to give it. I don't want to give my energy to people like that. I want to give my energy to systems. Really. Not to people. So what I've done is I've slipped into a five state right now. Kind of. In my house. My house is like my womb. And I'm not really getting out. Now that it's been cold. I got a car situation. I work remote. So there's a lot. There are a lot of reasons why I'm in the house. But. I am reminded as I deal with this family member who's going through a life or death situation. And I really think all of us are in a life or death situation, to be honest with you. But we can unpack that later. But it's making me remember, like, yo, you need people. You you got to have people. So I'm looking at, I'm at dinner with this young lady. And I'm excited because she's an NI dom. I'm really excited. There's so much about her. I'm so excited. This black woman, she's an educator. She's got this social entrepreneurship on her. She's a researcher. She just got a PhD. There's so much that we have in common. And then she does this thing. She jumps into advising me. (laughs) I'm like, you cannot advise an INTJ. I wish, if you're an INFJ listening to me, would you please make note? You cannot advise an INTJ. (laughs) If you, you and let me say this, let me say it differently. When you do, if you think that you're going to advise an INTJ, baby, you better bring it. <laughs> so I'm watching her advise me, and I'm like, I'm wrestling with myself, like, because I'm gonna. The eight part of me is activated, but not overly so. But the dominance part of me is like, who the hell do you think you are giving me this advice? Who do you think you? Because it. Because when you advise, you position yourself as superior. Just so you know, those of you who see yourselves as advisors, that situates you as superior. Now, you you want to go to one of my disciplines around power. You know, I study power. I can break that down for you. But I, I might have to charge you for that. 
Just trust me on that. When you position yourself as an advisor, you're, you're positioning yourself in power. Okay. So that was something that the eight part of me was activated. So I didn't like that, but I was like, uh, she's sweet. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about this. I need to start closing now, y'all. And so, uh, so I parked the eight part of me that was trying to rise up. Like, just, just chill, just chill, just chill. But then the INTJ part couldn't be part because it was like, what you're saying really doesn't even fully make sense. Even though I think you know you, I think you think it does. Because you're talking from your NI. And the NI in me is respecting the NI in you. But uh, I do have TE baby. So I had to, I was wrestling with myself as she was giving me this advice. Like, she doesn't mean any harm. She's connecting to me. She, what she's saying isn't terrible. It's not terrible. Do you want to let her have it? And then I'm like, you can't start a relationship with somebody parking who you are. That's what I'd say. You can't not. Because now we're we're having a good time. Like, oh, and we and, and she's in the next state. But we're two hours apart. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. She's a fellow in ITOM. She's a researcher. She's a researcher. She's an educator. She's a social entrepreneur. She said, Eli Dom, this is amazing. This is a friendship ready to happen. But I cannot do that by parking myself. I will not park my TE. And I'm not going to park my eight. Even though the eight part of me can be protective. Right? I will not park my TE. I'm not going to do it. So, <laughs> so I'm in, but I had to process that. It took me a minute. I had to sit there. So, In love, in love, I went into what's called coaching. See, I'm a coach. You're an advisor. Because as a coach, I'm going to get you to see. I'm going to, as a coach, I'm going to get you to advise yourself, advisor. Turn that advising on yourself. Come out of my backyard and get into your own backyard. So I went into coaching mode. And as a coach, you start asking questions. You could ask questions, you paraphrase, you reposition that thing so that person can see it. And, and, and or not. Sometimes you coach and you discover, you, you learn in the process. So I, I, I took this book cover conversation and I started coaching her in that. And she was like, oh, I'm projecting. I don't know if projecting is the right word, but anyway... That was a really nice, fun exercise. I got her off my back. But I got her off my back in a way that I'm like, I still appreciate what she said. Because I now, it's not that I have to write for an audience. I just need to recognize who I'm writing for. Does that make sense? It's it's a subtle difference, but it's the same. I don't have to go, who, what, who's my audience I'm going to write for? No, it's who are the people that want what I'm writing for? The, like, I don't know how to make this. It's a difference in my head. I don't know if you can hear it. One is tr- intentionally writing for a particular audience. And the other one is writing for what I see. I see something in my head. I want to write it. And then I need to be able to tell the world, these are the kinds of people that are going to be interested in me interested in what I have written already 
So people, the people part, they're sec, it's that's secondary. The message is first. The, the audience is second. What she was saying is the audience is first and then the message is second. And no, not for me, it's not. And I don't know if she would agree with that, but that's what I'm saying. So anyway, we, we wrapped that part of it up. We had gone somewhere. We were waiting for this restaurant to open up. So we went to a bar next door. I'm still doing no adult beverages, y'all. So I had a soda on ice and a little cocktail glass. No adult splashes in that. <laughs> she had a beer. That's fine. I enjoy when other people drink. We closed it up and then we went to a restaurant, which was really nice. It was just a nice evening, a nice surprise outing. I'm really glad she called me. But I watched her do another thing as I'm getting ready to talk to the waiter about what I, my needs, how I want to sit, where I want to sit. I'm very particular. How I sit in a restaurant, where I want my back, how I want to be close to a window, how I want to be with people right um, that's the SE inferior SE coming about, and then my TE making it happen. Like my T is like, we're gonna do this. She does what I see a lot of people doing. She starts talking to the waiter over me, and that's something that annoys the hell out of me. <clears throat> it annoys me when people do that. Like, why I'm talking to the server? Why are you doing that? The A to me does not like that at all. But when she did it, because I'm so used to people not always doing it, but I'm so used to getting irritated by people doing it, I, I was curious, like, what is she doing? What is she doing when she does that? It's annoying. But what is she? Come out of my irritation and just be very intrigued by what is that behavior communicating? I asked her. Now I have to not beat up on people. Like, I took that as dominance. I see that as a lot. The enemy sees it as dominance. Like, but she's an FE, and FEs are going to try to connect with people. So I'm not talking to that server to connect. I'm talking to that server to get my needs met. But she's talking to that server to make a connection. So it's TE to her FE. That's what's happening. And because I'm an eight, five, three, I'm like, I don't have a need to dominate people. I have a need to get my needs met, <laughs> period. So I'm like, I'm not talking to that server to dominate that server. It, to an FE, it looks like it. But I am trying to get my needs met. So then what I have to do is I have to tell the person, hey, you are interfering with me getting my needs met. I don't say it that way. I'm like, why did you do that? I was talking to that server. Do you think I don't know how to talk for myself? I'm sorry. I was talking to that server and you jumped in. Did you start talking to that server because you didn't think I knew how to take care of myself? Are you doing that because you're trying to take care of me? And she was like, I don't know why I did it. And then I feel guilty. Like, see? See, that's where the INTJ8 is overpowering because now you've interfered with me telling what I'm going to do for me. So now I'm going to focus on you. <laughs> right? And people don't want to see themselves like that. I had already 
coached her in another situation. I wasn't going to do it again. And I was like, see, this is why you ain't got no damn friends. <laughs> and he's why. But she, I want to close here. So much I wanted to say to y'all today. I think I've covered a lot. I think I've touched a lot of parts of this list, though, in a weird way. So that's good. Don't know what the theme of this episode is going to be. But let me, let me, um, I just lost what I was going to say, but let me say this thing about her, um, from, cause it's on my list. She did a lot of talking. She did a lot of talking and I was doing a lot of observing. But while I was observing her doing a lot of talking, like she never paused to be inquisitive. Now check this out. We're both in Idons, right? So I was like, what is that? Because I go into an observer place first. And sometimes I don't like that about myself. The TE later doesn't like it. <laughs> like, TE wasn't like dominate the outer world. But as I've gotten older, the observer, my NI, meaning making apparatus, is dominant. That's first. And I'm learning. I'm pulling in data. And that's going to take precedence over my TE impacting the outer space. But the TE doesn't like it. The eight part of me doesn't like that. It doesn't. But it's all good. But I'm watching her. I'm like, she's not pausing to inquire. She's not pausing. But what, she, what, it re- what hit me, this is what I think. Her FE is trying to connect to me. I was like, she is talking a lot. And something said, that's a nervous chatter or an awkward chatter. I mentioned something. I said, it can be awkward. We, we're awkward, you know. And she said, yeah. And so, you know, we talked about, I don't want to go too more into, much because in, she shared some things with me. I don't want to share out loud. But some of our experiences as NI doms doesn't make the outer world very safe for us. So here she's meeting somebody new for the first time. She doesn't know how I'm going to receive her. How I'm going to embrace her and her authenticity. And the FE part of her wants to connect to me. But the TE is not activated. Because the inner I'm allowing, because otherwise the TE would dominate the situation. So I know I, I so I'm, the TE then is parked a little bit. So I'm NI in it. I'm taking it all in. And I realized in the, towards the end of that dinner, a lot of that talking was about her trying to connect to me. And because I'm not talking, right? I'm not talking. So she's talking more to create a connection. That was fascinating. That was a fascinating observation. So that's that. So I'm going to go to number one. I do have a, a meaning-making apparatus. And no matter where I go in the world as a seer, as a social scientist, as a knower, that's always got to be with me. It's always going to be with me. And I just need to do a better job at acknowledging that. I'm in a position where I have to now apply for another job. I'm I'm very close to being back on my own. I see myself on on my own in my own business by 55. I'm, I'll be 52. 55 at the latest, I'll be on my own. I really feel that way. Either I'm going to be on my own or I'm going to be running something pretty big. So, um, I'm no longer confused. (laughs) I was in a state of confusion, really. 
And but part of this now as I look for a job because I, you know, I need another year or so to build this this structure, right? Surp- impact and surplus, right? All right, that's what I've been doing. I just didn't. And this guy that I was responding to, that the he said, I think it was the, the guy John, INTJ John guy, not the INTJ academic. I haven't listened to the INTJ academic in a while. INTJ John guy said a lot of times INTJs are masterminding something and we're not even aware of it. That is that is perfect. That is so true. Facts. So I've been in this season and I'm like talking to you all, trying to figure it out. I talk about confession, what's getting in the way. I'm confused. I've been having the same conversation over and over and over again. I said it to you last week. I said, I know it. That's because I've been unconsciously masterminding something. And now we're starting to come out of unconscious into consciousness. I am masterminding impact and surplus simultaneously. I think I got about two, two, two to three years before I'll be able to walk into it. So we'll see. You heard it here first. <laughs> we'll see. Next big thing. The next big cap, uppercase M mastermind. So this job that I'm going to go for next year, I got to go into it. Even if it's knowing it's going to be a storm, but minimizing the storm by recognizing your meaning making is a, is is problematic. No matter where you go, your meaning making is going to be a problem. Because you are not going to live in anyone's reality. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to do it. So accept the storm because you're meaning making. So that's number one. Just check that one off. I, I'm going to have to come back and talk about discovery, discovered, uh, discovery, discovered, discovery, and discovered. And basically, I did an episode called Discovery, right? I felt like I was trying to get to that unconscious. What is it that I've been trying to, what I've been working on? I just did it. So what is it? So that's it. I discovered it. Now I need to, I think I'm out of the discovery zone. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm confused. We'll see. All right. So that's number two. I can't touch the psychic dilemma. Let's see if I go to white YouTube for that one. Cause I want to connect that to some equity conversations. That's number three. Number four, people are stressed. Why? I touched on that one a little bit. I'm talking about my dinner date yesterday. Events of the week. I talked about this person that I didn't name, but I didn't really give any a story to it. I talked about the dinner friend. I talked about meeting with my heart coach about the emotions. And I talked about it being a slower week at work. I don't know if I got into a lot of D. De- oh, yeah, I did. I mentioned that. So number five is good. I did not hit personality psychology. I have to go to YouTube for that for number six. Ooh. Learning from the job. Yeah, I did a little bit. Just really learning about the war. It's, it's always going to, the people side and the knowing side is always going to create a storm. And that I'm, I'm pretty much done trying to be in somebody else's reality. I think I could cross off number seven. Number eight, colorful actions. I'm going to have to go to Y2 for that one. Y2. YouTube for that one because I want to explain that one on YouTube. I'm an, uh, I'm an eight. 
I didn't really, I sprinkled that. And then number nine, I, I didn't really touch that. S-I-S-E. I need to talk about that separately. So I did seven, five, four, two, and one. One, two, four, five, seven. That's six. Six out of ten. I didn't. I did not do bad. Don't know how I'm gonna wrap all of this up and make it a single. I can't singleize it. Still, <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how I'm gonna name this. But we'll see what happens when I give you the assignment. Okay. I'm sorry. Hopefully, I think there were a lot of interesting nuggets in this reflection. I just don't know how to wrap it up and bring it all together. Oh my gosh, you guys! If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about emotions, I will talk a lot about not being able to name those emotions and grief. And um, yeah, I think a lot of those emotions that it came that I'm really struggling with and, and not confronting, I can't name them. Uh, as it relates to this person, it's just, I think it's really ultimately about not, not knowing how to confront and embrace those emotions, confront them, embrace them, understand them. It's just too much. It's too much overwhelm, overwhelm. I need to write that word down. Overwhelm. Also talked about the NI dominance, if you will, as it relates to knowing and seeing in the world and how it causes conflict. I talked about masterminding. I talked about surplus and impact. If any of these conversations connect to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link. Share with those participants. I talked about advising. INFJ advisings and advisors. INTJs. Doing. Doers. I'm going to do the thing. I can advise you if you need it. But I'd rather do it. Let me put it in place. And let me show you the thing. Let me show it to you. I can show you better than I can tell you. And so that was a fun part of that reflection. If any of this relates to a conversation you had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about is caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com, on Twitter, yournidom1, Facebook, and YouTube, yournidom. Do go check out Twitter. I can tell when you guys have looked at my um, tweets. Uh, you know, you don't like it, but uh, the new Twitter shows how many views you've had, and I like that. So that's data for me. So go check out those articles, whether you like and let me know you were there. I don't need to need. I don't need that. I know you're there by the views. Um, so go check out those articles. I don't get a chance to, you know, talk about all of them, but they are all going in the brain. If I've tweeted it, I've read it. I think I tweeted something and I said, I'm going to read it. I hadn't read that one, but uh, any, any other time, unless I tell you I haven't read it, anything I've tweeted, it's been something that I've taken into the brain. Okay. Let me give you your assignment. Hey, you guys. I've had you on pause for almost 10 minutes um, because I, I'm like, okay, I feel like I had three, two to three distinct 
components to this reflection. So there was that beginning part where I was processing my my emotional relationship to some um, to life and death to people in my life who have been going that have gone through the living slash dying process. Um. Um, we're talking about my dad and my dad's sister, my aunt, and then there's this other life, uh, threatening situation that we are praying for and using my energy to have faith and pray in that. So there's that component and just the, just the emotions of that. Um, I really, really want to come back and unpack a little bit more of that, how I'm trying to sanitize my this one person, which is which makes talking about this person difficult, whereas I didn't feel the need to sanitize my my dad or my dad's sister. So that's an interesting thing I, I want to spend some time thinking about. And then there was this conversation about Ni Domnus being a seer, seer, um, living in what I can see, acting on it, negotiating that or not, you know. Um, trying to negotiate living outside of that reality of what I see and what I can do, whether it's through my writings, through my work. And then it was this component about being a fellow seer with another, you know, that INTJ versus INFJ. And I couldn't come up with a way to bring all of those three together. Like they've been three separate conversations. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try to link it together through this assignment. I'm, I literally am almost out of time because I can't go past one hour and a half, 90 minutes. So here we go. I'm going to name this consequences when you have to deal with the impact of who you are. The who you are, there are ripples to you and how those ripples impact other people, how other people experience you, how they come back and give to you. I think all of this is about people. I think I've been dealing with this whole reflection. I was talking about different people, right? More than I'm. Um, and how I am experiencing those people, but it's also about how those people are experiencing me through the ripples. So my assignment to you is about who are you as it relates to the ripples? What do you give off to the world? And how do you know you're, and you know what you're giving off to the world by what people give you back. Oftentimes we don't think about people's behaviors as a reaction. We just think about the people's behaviors as standalone. But most of the time people's behaviors to you are a response to something you're giving off. So who are you in that? What do you, how do you learn about yourself in that? God, I want to linger here, but I'm running out of time. That's all I got though for now. Okay, thank you for struggling with me in this reflection. I'm sorry it took so long to get here, but thank you for being here all the same. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.